Welcome to True Crime Works, a true crime podcast. This is episode number 41, Mark Barton. Hey everyone, welcome back to True Crime Works. This is episode number 41, and we are going to be talking about Mark Barton, who was a spree killer and family annihilator who turned workplace shooter. And this case is also known as the Atlanta Day Trader murders. So there's a lot to get into about it. It's a very interesting case, too. And I know I did spree killers a series a few episodes ago, but this is sort of different. There's more to it. And I just saw this case and decided that it was something that I wanted to share with you guys. I think the only announcement I had is a couple of you asked about season three, and I know this is the longest season three ever. I usually took a break between seasons one and two and three, but I've just been ahead of the game with this, so I've just decided to keep going. I think maybe episode 50 I'll start with season four, but I'm not going to take a month-long break, that's for sure. I might take a week break if that, maybe not, but I'm just enjoying doing the content every week and I'm really just getting into a groove with it. So that's good news. So thank you for asking about that. And I think that is my only announcement. So let's just go ahead and get right into this case. Mark Barton was born April 2nd, 1955. And he was the only child of parents Truman and Gladys Barton. And his dad worked for the U.S. Air Force, so his parents were stationed in Germany for his dad's job. And he lived in Europe for most of his childhood until the family moved to Sumter, South Carolina. People described Mark as intelligent but lonely. He was left out by the other children. When he was a teenager, he began to do drugs, mostly hallucinogenic drugs, and he actually had several visits to the hospital due to overdoses. He went on to attend Clemson University and then the University of South Carolina. He actually committed a robbery in order to pay for his drug problem. He was caught, charged, and had to undergo drug and psychiatric therapy. But he did graduate from the University of South Carolina in 1979. After that, he moved to Atlanta, Georgia. And this is where he met Deb Spivey, the woman that he would later marry. They moved to Arkansas after Barton became the president of a manufacturing company. And they had two children together named Matthew and Michelle. During this time, Mark's life began to really take a downturn. He became increasingly paranoid especially in his marriage with Deborah, He became really controlling over her too, and this led to the marriage becoming really toxic and bad. He was also really paranoid at work. He was eventually fired from his job in 1990, and this led to an outburst, and he actually ended up sabotaging the company's data files because of this. He moved his family back to Georgia after he completed time in jail, for the data file sabotage. So he really got in trouble for that. During this time, 
he started an affair with Lee Ann Lane. Now, the details of this are kind of all over the place. Some reports say that his wife knew about the affair, but didn't really say anything about it. And some reports say that this woman was actually one of her friends, but I'm not really sure the exact details of this, but he definitely did have an affair with this woman. Now, this is where things really start to take a turn. In the year 1993, Deborah and her mother were bludgeoned to death in a camping trailer, and Mark was considered a prime suspect in the double homicide. But eventually, the charges against him were dropped. There was just nothing to tie him to this case without reasonable evidence of doubt. So now he is a widower, and he decided to marry Leanne, in 1995 and this marriage was not a happy one either because his mental health really was not in a good place he was very paranoid still and even though he married his mistress he was still not very happy he would get insurance money from his ex-wife and he actually did not manage that well and would lose hundreds of thousands of dollars of personal income while day trading at his workplaces. That's right, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And he worked at Momentum Securities and the Alltech Investment Group. And workers at these companies would call him the Rocket, and that was due to him having this explosive nature. So that's really not a nice nickname to have. Today's episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. Do you feel you are stuck in a dinner rut? With HelloFresh, you get fresh, pre-measured ingredients with mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. Skip all those trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. You can now enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in 30 minutes or less. With over 25 recipes to choose from each week, there is something for everyone to enjoy. All recipes are designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts to ensure deliciousness and simplicity. Just like my personal favorite, the lobster-filled ravioli and shrimp. Simply go to the link in our show notes to get $80, that's eight zero off, including free shipping on HelloFresh, the number one meal kit. On the night of July 27, 1999, Barton snapped and bludgeoned Leanne to death in her sleep. When the morning came, he murdered Matthew and Michelle, his children, covered them with blankets, left notes on their bodies for the police to find. On July 29th, he went to Momentum Security Office in nearby Buckhead, having an appointment there to leave $50,000 in cash. While he was waiting for the manager... He chatted with the other day traders, and they were not aware that he was armed. While he was waiting for the manager, he took out two pistols around 2.45 p.m. and began a shooting rampage, effectively killing four and wounding several others. After five minutes of doing this, he left the office and crossed the street to the Alltech Investment Group office, where everyone inside was not aware of what had just happened. He entered the office and went to the manager's quarters where he began shooting again, hitting the managers 
and his secretaries before targeting the clients. Five more people were killed and several more were injured, three of them critically. Immediately after this, authorities began to search for Barton throughout the Atlanta area. When they arrived at his house, they found the corpses of his family and the letters for them. These discoveries shocked everyone. Five hours after, he was spotted in Kennesaw, which is up north from Atlanta. He threatened a girl at the shopping mall who fled from him and reported what had happened. Barton stopped at a gas station in Ackworth, Georgia, where officers surrounding him. With no way out, he turned one of his guns to himself and died by suicide. His murder spree was considered one of the deadliest rampages in Atlanta history. And he was 44 years old when he died. And his letter to the police read this. Quote, to whom it may concern, Leanne is in the master bedroom closet under a blanket. I killed her on Tuesday night. I killed Matthew and Michelle Wednesday night. There may be similarities between these deaths and the death of my first wife, Deborah Spivey. However, I deny killing her and her mother. There's no reason for me to lie now. It just seemed like a quiet way to kill and a relatively painless way to die. There was little pain. All of them were dead in less than five minutes. I hit them with a hammer in their sleep and put them face down in the bathtub to make sure they did not wake up in pain. To make sure they were dead. I am so sorry. I wish I didn't. Words cannot tell the agony. Why did I? I have been dying since October. I wake up at night so afraid, so terrified, that I couldn't be afraid while awake. It has taken its toll. I have come to hate this life and the system of things. I have come to have no hope. I killed the children in exchange for five minutes of pain for a lifetime of pain. I forced myself to do it to keep them from suffering so much later. No mother, no father, no relatives. The fears of the father are transferred to the son. It was from my father to me and from me to my son. He already had it and now to be left alone. I had to take him with me. I killed Leanne because she was one of the main reasons for my demise as I planned to kill the others. I really wish I hadn't killed her now. She couldn't help it and I love her so much anyway. I know that Jehovah will take care of them in the next life. I'm sure the details don't matter. There is no excuse, no good reason. I am sure no one would understand. If they could, I wouldn't want them to. I just write these things to say why. Please know that I love Leanne, Matthew, Michelle with all my heart. If Jehovah is willing, I would like to see all of them again in the resurrection, to have a second chance. I don't plan to live much longer, just long enough to kill as many of the people who greedily sought my destruction. You should kill me if you can. Mark O. Barton. End quote. So even with that, he denies killing his previous wife and her mother. But the circumstances are pretty similar, so I really don't know what to think about that. So that's what happened. And then now we're going to get into kind of what was going on that made him snap like this. Besides, I already talked about his, you know, mental health was rapidly declining. But he also was not doing well in his work life. Like I said, he lost $105,000 in volatile internet stocks where he day traded at work. And of course, his job was not happy with him. 
So he was really experiencing stress from work. And he talked about stress in his relationship with his wife. So he was already under a great deal of stress and already suffering from mental health issues. And I guess he just snapped one day and he stated that he wanted to get revenge on people who greedily plotted his demise or something. But there's really not too much information on why he wanted to do that to everyone at work. But no matter why he decided to do this or why he snapped, it's just an extremely sad case that all these people had to lose their lives because of the actions of one man. And, you know, if he could have gotten help, this, you know, probably could have been prevented in some way. And it's just so sad that he was not able to get help and he did not choose to get help. And I always feel really bad for the victims of this case, cases like this, because it has nothing to do with them. They were just in the wrong place at the wrong time and they had to suffer because of someone else's actions. And, you know, it's just really, you look at things like this and you think, wow, that's just so unfair that these people had to, you know, lose their lives because of the results of one man and it had nothing to do with them. So it's just really tragic on each and every level. So that is episode 41 on Mark Barton or the Atlanta Day Trader murders. And I really hope you enjoyed this case. I enjoyed bringing it to you. And if you could, please take a moment to rate, subscribe, and review wherever you get your podcast from. It really helps the show and it helps others find the show. So thank you so much for your support. I really appreciate it. And if you have any ideas for upcoming cases, you can either email me, truecrimeworks at gmail.com, or just send a message on Instagram at truecrimeworks. And I really look forward to talking to each and every one of you next week, and I hope you have a great rest of your week.